Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So you have a story to tell. You have something you've followed for years and you're like, oh, this really excites me and I want to make sure I bring it to life somehow. Whether you're an 11-year-old sitting there cross-legged watching something on your living room floor or suddenly you have that brainstorm in your mind that suddenly this is where I'm supposed to be going. But what might hold you back and what might not hold you back? It's kind of like coming out of the closet. And today we're going to venture out of the closet with a guy who has written and written and written and written. And he also happens to be gay. So we're going to explore that a little bit too. But I'm really looking forward to this conversation with someone that has taken his passion for what he loves to do turned it into something that he has the joy of doing on a daily basis, which I believe is just another extension of who we are and how we come out of the closets of our life. If we don't go out there and be who we are and do the things we love, you might as well just stay in the closet. And that's what we're exploring today on Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and I want to introduce you to a guy that I think you're going to really enjoy just getting to know all the cool things he's done. His name is Gregory L. Norris. And as you kind of alluded to it, you probably heard me say he's a writer and he's done lots of really entertaining, fun, cool things. And I can't wait to explore what lies beyond and in the future for him as we go on this little voyage through the life of Gregory L. Norris. So welcome to the podcast, Gregory. I'm so excited to have you here, man. Well, thank you, Rick. And I'm very excited to be here too. Very generous and, and delightful to be on your show. Thank you. Well, thanks, man. So um, so this is how we do this. I turn it over to you. I shut up and you just go tell us everything about you and your life. But I'm kidding, of course. So uh, Well, I had a nice delivery. Okay, there you go. There you go. That's a start, right? The nice delivery. So, um, so writing, wow. You told me off the air, you've written how many pieces of some form of literature to date that you well, think? I've written, I used to write for a bunch of national magazines and mm-hmm. probably, you know, accumulated about 3,000 individual nonfiction articles, feature articles, that kind of stuff. But fiction wise, I've been writing um, short stories, novels since I was 15 years old. And I have, I just completed my 1,566th work of fiction. And that short story, novel, novella, teleplay and screenplay. And I'm working right now. I've got three. I I hate to work on more than one at the same time, but I have certain deadlines. So I've got three of them and they're all behind me, howling, demanding, you know, snapping at me like little Yorkshire Terriers, like biting at the ankles, like finish me. So, and then there, you know, their siblings are in um, my idea box, which is right behind my head, uh, Mm -hmm. waiting to be written. And every now and then, you know, you hear the voices like, come in here and take care of me. It's my turn. And they jump lines and they leapfrog over each other. And, um, you know, it's pretty chaotic, but I love it. And uh, I have a very generous muse who is always rewarding me with, you know, ideas that I want to write. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So 
from a very young age, when do you think was the first time you actually quote unquote wrote something? Well, upstairs in um, the hallway is a, a painting of the village smithy that was my mm. Lebanese grandmother's. And when I was five years old, I remember lying on her sofa, staring up at that painting and creating storylines for all of the characters in it. So I think that was kind of the start. You know, I grew up on what I consider to be a really healthy diet of creature double features and classic science fiction right. television. And even before I actually physically put the pen to the page, my mind was just always creating, you know, my own stories and storylines and, you know, fantastical worlds. Um, and then the year I turned 15, the summer I turned 15, I really took my first bold step into that much bigger universe. And I have been writing ever since. Wow. Has it always been like, a particular genre you said you wanted to write or because you've written for all these national magazines and stuff, but is there something you feel really, truly drawn to? I absolutely love science fiction, but mm. I absolutely also love romance, mysteries, horror, fantasy, mm. um, e even literary mainstream work. You know, I, I, I probably, you know, in the, um, you know, the, the, the business side of writing, um, am a conundrum because I, I'm not pigeonholed into one genre. I write what I want to write. And mm -hmm. I love, I, I love to, I mean, it doesn't feel like work. It actually feels like a gift. That's awesome. What is one of the things that you would say that is like kind of brought together your love of writing and your sexuality? Because I'm always curious with authors, you're like, yeah, I don't really write about my sexuality, but then others are like, oh yeah, that's all I write about but I know a little bit of you, you've kind of found places to like mix the two together and let them like really play happily in the sandbox, so to speak. So what's oh, helped you bring that together? Absolutely. Well, I, you know, just to, to, to go back to the start, um, you know, I, I never really ever really was in the closet. I mean, at, at five years old, I was born in 1965. So at five years old, I was walking around uh, you know, pining for Barnabas Collins from Dark Shadows, the dreamy daytime soap opera. Right. You know, yeah. and and that was my first crush. And, you know, I used mm. to walk around going, Barnabas, Barnabas. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, right around the same time, I, I developed this ridiculous crush on Lurch from the Adams family. And I mean, like that's been my entire life, you know, is is just having um this very creative side to me and this very passionate attraction towards the same sex mm, and yeah. I never really had all that much of a problem with it to begin with um you know I when I write a story and you know the characters are gay then then they are allowed to be and do whatever they want they have carte blanche to be as real as possible and that's you know whether they're gay straight alien um holographic you know I, I just i let them be what they need to be hmm. i have written a lot of male male mysteries romance science hmm. fiction mm -hmm. i just for the same publisher um that i wrote this novel x marks the spot for uh -huh. um, i just wrote a collection of um, science fiction stories called the solar system which is 12 tales of wonder from Saul to pluto and the very first two stories, Sun and Mercury, 
are, um, they're linked together, they're sequels. And the main character is a station commander who is gay mm. and, you know, is, is really the um, strongest, most shining beacon of light in the entire solar system for which, you know, humanity is either going to follow and prosper or come apart at the seams. And I didn't set out to make him gay and his character just took on that life and I let him run with it. And, and I love it. I absolutely love it. And he's Hindu. Mm-hmm. He's Hindu and he's gay, you know, and, and, uh, and, and he is the hero that I am just about the most proud of. That's interesting to me because so many, and I'm generalizing here, but I'm going to do it anyway. It seems that so many gay writers, when they write the gay stories, they use a formula and, you know, they, they don't go outside of their normal realm. You know, it's the, you know, the WeHo sort of thing or the Chelsea or, you know, da, 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 da. And just to hear that you're like, okay, he's Indian, you know, and you bring that other perspective in to me is, is such a powerful twist and it's inviting, it's invigorating. Cool. And I wish we could see more of that. Now I'm not knocking our gay creatives at all. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes I think in, in general, you know, the general genre stuff too. I mean, there's straight writers that they, once they get in their groove, they just, they're in their groove and they write the same thing. But I, I find it really refreshing when you see something that's a different twist or a different take, you know, you know, kind of like if suddenly all, you know, and I'm not a sci-fi guy, but if like the entire crew of Star Trek was LGBTQ, now that would be something kind of, Oh, you know, it could be campy and fun too, but it's like, Oh wow. What if there was only one straight, person on the team you know what would that be like you know all those sort of things so what well, this this guy um his name is commander norberto krishnard and early on in the mercury story he has a visitation from the hindu god ganesha who is the mm-hmm. elephant-headed god of new beginnings and he's he's a lapsed hindu and he says i don't believe in you but ganesha says to him i know but i believe in you mm-hmm. and that starts the whole the whole big you know, epic story about really saving, saving our souls and, Mm -hmm. you know, and setting us on the right path and being better people. If you could like write like the book that you think would have huge impact in the world about the LGBTQ experience, but put it in the form of a fiction novel, what does that look like for you? Well, I think this one is a pretty good example because this one took my soul to write. This mm-hmm. is X marks the spot, which is your newest um, one, right? Yes. Yeah. And see how uh, I segue into there. I just kind of like led you right to it, Greg. You're like, what's yep. the book? So let, let's kind of start talking about X marks. The, and folks, it's not X. It's E-X, E-X, right? yes. yes. X marks. It's, the spot. It's, it's my newest baby. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, I was married for uh, four years together with my late husband for 18 total. He passed away in January 20 of uh, January 14th, 2020, 352 on a frigid Tuesday, gray winter mm. afternoon. We'll never forget that. Um, of a disease called supranuclear palsy, which is a neurological disease that is always fatal. It's like Parkinson's, mm. but it is, it is, it is merciless. And this idea had sat in my card catalog for the better part of a decade. It was from a dream I had in which 
um, I, as the main character, went back in time to save the first love of my life, not realizing that I was dooming the second love of my life by, you know, mixing around and corrupting time. And so after Bruce passed away, I had this great opportunity to write this novel, enter a contest with it. And I just, I sat here and over the course of three weeks, wrote this book start to finish every day, sitting on my sun porch with iced coffee, staring out at the mountains, wrote, 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 turned it in. It won, um, it won the contest. It actually won the highest score that contest had ever had. And um, it has been published. It was reviewed by Publishers Weekly, which, I mean, that almost never happens. Wow. And um, so it's a story about how far you would go to save the love of your life. I can't quantify any bigger, you know, gay experience for me because it was a chance to reunite with my husband through the pages of the book. I, I, I've had this thing for a long time now where I try to keep people alive by keeping them alive in print, people who have passed away, hmm. you know, grandmothers, grandfather, parents, um, cats, and now spouse. Hmm. And, you know, and that's the only way I know how to um, raise someone from the dead and to keep them remembered in history. And it's through writing. So that book to me is, to me, it's the ultimate. And and it's dedicated to my husband, and I think he would have absolutely loved it. You know, he um, he was a big reader. He loved science fiction. He loved Philip K. Dick. I've been really lucky that over the past, I think it is three or four years, I've been republished in a magazine called Black Infinity with Philip K. Dick now, I think, six times. And my husband got to see that before he passed away because, that again, he, he grew up loving Philip K. Dick, you know, is the guy who Blade Runner was based on one of his novels. Right, right, right. Total Recall, um, you know, and, and there are my little stories appearing in this beautiful magazine with this, you know, this absolute icon. And my husband got to enjoy that, you know, which was kind of neat. So, but anyways, to answer your question, um, you know, my story is is about love. It, it's a story about two people in love. They don't have to be gay. They don't have to be straight. They are human beings who are in love and one of them travels through time to save him. And just kind of taking that in, letting the listeners take it in because sometimes this is where, where we find that intersection to like a, you know, remember who we care about number one, which isn't, isn't uncommon in, in what we do in literature when we write. I mean, I sure. wrote my first book. I mean, I probably need to take some tips from you. I'm in the middle of my second book or not really in the middle. I'm like three quarters of the way through. And I'm like, ah, I just can't get it done. I can't get it done. I want to get it done, but I can't. I know what the problem, I know what the problem is. I'm at that space where you're like, I really want to start editing already. I'm like, no, don't oh, do that yet. Go don't to the it. end. Go to yes, the end. Go to yeah, the end. I, I, I already stopped. know there's not yeah. enough. I know there's not enough humor in this one. I know I'm not letting my sassy in the inner diva come out to play. And I know that's the problem. And actually, a friend of mine called me out on that a couple of weeks ago. She's like, well, I was on her podcast and she's telling the guests like, go read Rick's first book. Even if you're not gay and you're not coming out of the closet, you'll really get something out. You'll learn a lot about, it. and he's really, really funny. And he has this alter ego that he lets like kind of lead the book. And I'm like, Oh, that's what's wrong with this new book. The, the, the diva isn't showing up, you know? Uh, well, you know, get to the end and then you can go back and inject the diva in. Yes. You that's can what always I always work yeah. with an edit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what happened on the first book. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm writing this book about coming out late in life and I'm putting my coaching kind of my coaching techniques into it and everything. And I start reading it. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, I can't even read this. And then suddenly I'm like, well, bitch, then what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and that's when it you'll, showed up. I'm like, it, it, it's so amazing. You'll, you'll, to see yourself you'll do it. it. You'll, yeah. you'll inject that thing full of, you know, the proper hormones. You'll be exactly, fine. exactly. But so what do you, what do you enjoy most about being able to share this gift of yours with the world? Well, you know, I, I write everything first for me. Mm. Um, that's, that's the first, you know, they're my babies. And the first time I don't judge them as being beautiful, ugly. You have to pardon me. My cat is now attacking um, I'm just going to show you this real quick. It, it's okay because it's it's part of what happens. It's All right, part can of you what happens. Uh huh. Yeah. Can you see Joe Flanagan from Stargate Atlantis? Okay. Yeah. That's that's my cardboard date. I was determined to have a date for my book launch party, which is a week from Sunday. And Joe Flanagan is that's the embodiment of my muse. That's what my muse. That's like. awesome. So I that's had this so... cardboard cutout, and the cat is absolutely freaking out because she's looking at the cardboard cutout. She just knocked him over. Mm, that's um, fine. But this is what but, I love about doing these things because, oh, no, I'm never sorry. I mean, people are like, well, something happens. Are we going to edit? I'm like, probably not. Really? No. I'm like, well, there's a few things that would. Like, I live close to an, a, a fire station in a hospital. So if I hear the sirens coming, I'm going to be like, sure. okay, hold on. <laughs> let them pass. And then we'll keep going. But um, I remember um, well, it was really early on in my podcasting. It was probably episode, I don't know. I don't even know if we were over episode 50 at that point. I'm still like, I'm starting to let myself finally cut loose and have fun. And like every once in a while I'll say, ah, fuck it. You know, I'm going to drop the yeah. F-bomb, right? And um, I was doing a podcast with a good girlfriend of mine who's a really amazing dating coach in the LA area. And suddenly this dog starts barking. It's not her dog. It's the dog next door. And then he'd quiet down and then she'd say something and then he'd bark. And then he'd, she'd say something else and he'd bark. Cause I know he can't hear me because she's got headphones on. Right. Sure. I'm like, Oh, I can get really annoyed and say, can you just go shut the damn dog up? And I'm like, no, I'm going to play this to the hill. I'm like, well, obviously Fido agrees with you. And I'm wondering what Fido's going to say now. He's, and, and it was so funny. And I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do to inject this into the podcast. Like we're real, you know, I'm not going to be super stiff about this because I want to have fun and I want people to walk away from this going, okay, well, maybe you are talking about coming out and get a little heavy, but we also had fun with it while we were there. So, um, so, well, my cardboard cutout is now giving me the hairy eyeball. Okay. And I got to say, you know, the first couple of days after uh, it was you know, arrived FedEx, uh -huh. um, every time I walked downstairs and I saw, you know, a man standing in my office, I freaked and gasped. Oh. And then I realized who it was. And then I was like, oh, I'm so oh. glad you're here. Yes. But exactly. anyways, I want to, I want to finish answering your question about sure. the joy of what it is that I do. All right. So. You know, when it, it comes to experiencing the actual first draft, I write everything longhand. I don't know if you can see this with my phone yeah, 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 yeah. that are like 40 years old. Um, everything except screenwriting, I, I do that way. And last year was not only the most horrific year in the world because of losing my spouse, but it was also the pandemic. So it was not, you know, it, it was a double whammy at the same time. Yep. What I decided to do consciously one morning, I came down here, made my coffee, walked in, 
And I decided I was going to turn shelter at home into writer in residence. Mm. And that was how I spent 2020. I traveled to Antarctica one day, Moonbase Alpha the next day, <laughs> the lost city of the ancients Atlantis the next. I solved murder mysteries. I fell in love. I had great, wild, passionate love. Um, I got terrified. You know, I explored a haunted house. I mean, every day was something different and it never got boring and I never felt like I was stuck at home. And I never feel that way anyways. I love my house. Mm. Um, you know, this was the house that my husband restored and, and we have everything we need here except him. Mm. Um, but that was how, you know, to answer your question, you know, the fun was being able to be here and just be completely creative and, you know, feel like I, every day was an adventure. Yeah. Now, the other yeah. neat thing is when, you know, when I send my stories out and an editor comes back or a publisher and they're like, you nailed it. I am so happy to accept this. I want this in my anthology. I'm going to give right. you a contract for this book. Um, recently, uh, the publisher, uh, Woodhall Press, who is putting out X marks the spot, I have a first look clause in my contract. And so I wrote them, like I said, this, this collection called the solar system. Mm -hmm. So I turned it in and they turned it over to their readers. They have eight readers and my publisher, you know, David Legere said they are the most brutal, you know, honest and discerning readers. Every single one of those eight came back and said, this is phenomenal. You have to buy it. Wow. And so that's, you know, that's, that's the, um, you know, the happy end of that particular story. And right. it's a collection I'm tremendously proud of. That's so cool. Um, That's so cool, Gregory. But there's something you. you brought up that it just kind of got me thinking about, you know, you, you turned 2020 into something that, yeah, it was a tough year, no matter how you looked at it, especially when you lose a spouse and mm -hmm. then isolation and all this sort of stuff that we all went through, which I, I was doing the parallel in my head to coming out. It's like, okay, you're about to lose who, you know, when you come out of the closet, I mean, you know who you are, sure. but there's going to be this part of you. That's like, okay, that as soon as you say, here's who I am, that other part of you who was like, that's not who I am is gone. Bye-bye. See ya. Cause now I've said, this is who I am. And you talked about the adventures that you had last year and I often encourage clients as I'm working with them through the climbing out journey to literally think about it as what's the adventure though? What's the adventure and the enjoyment you can have through this process? I know, you know, this too. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be times when it's like being gay is not no walk in the park, so to speak, unless you're in the right heels. I guess if you're in the right heels, everything's <laughs> a walk in the park. And, a, and in a carriage, you know? Yeah. And a carriage. Right. Exactly. With Prince Charming waiting on the other yeah. side of the, you know, the park, so to speak. But um, I find it so powerful when you can take somebody to that space, which is part of what you do with your writing and take them into the space where it becomes the adventure. It becomes, I hate to say the fantasy because I don't want somebody to go, Oh, I'm going to fantasize about being gay. We do enough of that until we finally sure. can like, okay, we are who we are. But it's so much easier to get through life when you look at life as a beautiful adventure oh, or not absolutely. even, not even well, beautiful all the time. It's just, it's an adventure. We don't know what's going to happen, but Mm -hmm. I, I wish more people could like grab onto that. And again, I'm kind of just sitting here listening to you talk about, you know, 
your husband passing. And I'm thinking, hmm, I didn't know how I would feel about that because my husband and I are 20 years together now. We almost had 20. Yeah, we had 18. Yeah. yeah. And we're just a little bit ahead of you on the marriage route. We've been six years, I think, this year. It's it's really sad when you can't remember how many years you were married. You remember how long you've been together. but And it's kind of easy for us to remember because we actually met the year, uh, the week of 9-11. So oh, wow. we'll never forget. Sure. <laughs> and I hate to sure. use that terminology, sure. but we'll always no, remember. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, but, you know, to just put it into that framework of how can you make the experience, the adventure, the best adventure it can be. And suddenly it releases energy, it, you know, puts you in a different frame of mind and all of that sort of stuff. So as you sit down and you kind of like plan out what's next, do you like have to go like through all your card Rolodex and go, okay, let's just pick something. Or as you're writing, does something else like sparking like, Hey, that's going to be the next thing. Or is it kind of a mixture? It's really funny. You know, I'll go to bed, you know, dreaming my dreamy little dreams, as I say in Monty Python. And uh, I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to get up. I mean, I'm very German. I'm very efficient. I'm very, mm. you know, structured. Right. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, right. I, you know, I'm like, I, I plot and plan, you know, down the road so that there are never any gray areas. I hate gray areas. And it is the German blood in me. Um, but then, you know, I'll be lying in bed in the dark and one of these little bastages will jump out of the card catalog and into my brain and it'll say, write me, write me. And it won't leave me alone. And I'll wake up in the morning and I'll glide down the staircase to the dynasty soundtrack and I'll make my coffee and I'll feed the cat. And the next thing I know, I'm in here and I've got that card for that right. little, right. you know, that little ankle biter. Right. And I'm sitting here and I'm writing to the point that by the end of the day, I look like, you know, the hunched front of Notre Dame. Right. You know, with the claw. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and so it, it's and I love that. I love that, you know, my writing is still so passionate and it's so demanding. And my muse is demanding. You know, mm -hmm. I, I try to do 10 pages a day. Um, the book that I am turning in on the 21st was written in 38 days, that wow. novel. And, uh, and I put it on the computer in about two weeks because, again, I, I write everything longhand. So my muse is demanding. I mean, I, I, I put in a full day of writing and I love it. And at the end of every day, I feel like I still didn't do enough. You know, and I, and I think that's a healthy um, outlook for someone who is passionate and driven and upbeat and optimistic about the joy of what it is they are able to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had this epiphany when I was 15. Uh, I was on a sleepover at a friend's house and that summer I was writing a novel and he was one of the characters in the novel. And Talk about crushes. I had the biggest crush on this guy. He was a baseball player. He was so handsome. He loved what I was writing. And he was like, you got to get to the end. You got to get to the end. You got to get to the end. So I know what happened. Mm. And at his house on that sleepover, I was on the floor on my stomach, writing away like a lunatic. And I got to the end. And I, I've told the story before. It was like the big bang that first gave life to the universe, recreated itself in every single cell in my body. It was the purest form of inspiration. I got to the end. I finished this novel at 15. And then I grabbed a fresh pad of paper, uncapped the pen and started writing my next short story while he was reading the one that I finished. And I have not, I have not stopped since. It was like I took this step into 
this much bigger universe. And that night I said, I'm going to be a writer and only a writer. That's all I want to be. And so far, so good. How do you keep your motivation going, though? My muse grabs a hold of my busted up ass, twists, <laughs> and then, you know, then, then the, the words are flowing just to avoid, you right. know, more, um, you know, muse-splaining. Right. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, I really, I, I'm so happy to write. I'm, I live in a beautiful house in, you know, this beautiful office that my husband created for me. Um, he took this room apart put it back together exactly the way I wanted it. And, you know, and it, it welcomes me every day. It's like, it embraces me. I don't need a lot of motivation. I put the pen to the page. I've been getting out of my own way for a long time now. Right. Um, right. You know, because there were days where I would want to do anything, including the dishes, which is my least favorite house chore rather than write. And now I'm like, screw the dishes. I, you know, I've got right. chapter 15 to finish. Yeah. And, yeah. and I can't generally get to it fast enough. It's so interesting because I'm thinking through my own writing journey, but then I, I, I'm not one who can do it on a daily basis. I got to find, Oh, look, I've got this time and drop in, you know, yeah. um, it's, and I, it's whatever works. It whatever is whatever works. works. But, but, you know, as you were speaking through that, I was thinking again about how interesting that parallels the coming out journey. Like, you just keep finding a way to keep working on it and keep working on it and keep working on it. And yeah. <clears throat> so many people that I've been around, worked with, all of that sort of stuff as we do the work in coming out, they're like, okay, I can't do anymore. I'm like, well, you can, but maybe you're trying too hard right now. <laughs> maybe you're trying too hard to push that closet door open. Sure. Maybe you need to slow down, do a little, you know, do a little something each day to make yourself feel more comfortable or do something. But then of course they get impatient and then try, try and try. And they're like, well, then that's not working. And then that's not working, you know? And I find as I was comparing you and I in my head, like, okay, this is how he likes to write. This is how I like to write. It comes down to the same thing in the coming out process. You got to do it your way. Sure. I you mean, I find I'm, your own pathway through it. Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty comfortable in my skin. Yeah. Um, you know, stretch marked and, uh, you know, uh, pasty and pale as it is, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in my skin, you know, right. and, and I'm also pretty comfortable in my creativity. And, you know, I, I have this, this long running joke and I don't pull this out often um, because I'm, I'm kind to everyone. I'm pleased and thank you and, and gracious and, and never rude unless someone, you know, is that way to me first, and then they get the biggest bitch slap, which is kiss my published writer's ass. Right. And, you right. know, maybe the same thing, you know, is, is to the closet, mm -hmm. you know, it's What's something, gay ass. yeah, but, but it's, I mean, it's interesting when you get to be guys of our age and you kind of look through all this and go, okay, yes, there's lots of things I've gone through back and forth, figuring it out, da, 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 da. And then if I roll back, you know, and I came out, I came out twice. I came out when I was 19 and then I came, I officially quote unquote came out when I was 36. Like, okay, can't do this any longer. And when I try to even now, like even in this moment, think back, okay, well, what was the worst of it? I can't really think of it. I can think of moments after everything unfolded and things that happened, but I'm like, I can't really remember the stuff that was the scariest before I came out. And so part of that becomes the story. Part of that also becomes the adventure. Sure. 
because well, you know, when we when we get so focused in on okay but it has to happen this way and this way, i'm like no let the story unfold which sure. is kind of what we do as writers too it's like yes i kind of know where i'm going but sometimes like and i know that's where i am right now in the book i'm like okay i have written and written i'm doing one of the i'm doing one of those books gregory where it's um i'm i'm bridging out of my gay world into like the more secular heterosexual this is the this is the encouragement book for everybody to say, sure. wake up, bitches. We all have closets and you're in one too. Yep. Kind of that's kind yep. of the concept, right? But I realized what I'm doing is I'm doing short, like 500 to maybe 800 word, quote unquote, chapters. It's like almost like mm-hmm. blog post style, sure. right? Yeah. Well, when you do that and you do that and you do that and you do that, your brain kind of like, okay, each thing is a little bit different. Each thing's a little bit different. Each, but you know, you, you can't do that consistently. And he, the other day I was thinking through this because I was working on it a little bit. And then I'm thinking ahead of, okay, well, when would I really like to get this done? And I thought, slow down. It'll be done sure. when it's done, which is very similar to, I hear so many people, especially the guys that I work with who come out of the closet late in life. I've wasted so much time. I'm like, no, no, you haven't. Mm-mm. You're writing, hey. you're, you're doing it right when you're meant to do it. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, if you're, you're breathing and your heart is beating and, you know, you're alive, then, then it's all good. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, you know, again, I, there wasn't all that much in the way of coming out. It's like, you know, the figurative box, you know, that, you know, you're supposed to create and write outside the box. And I never really believed in the box to begin with Mm -hmm. or the closet in my case, but, you know, for me, my, my issues in the past have been generally people who, for whatever bizarre socio-political, religious reasons, um, decided that I was not worthy of being their friend or even of having their respect. And I'm like, well, goodbye. I'll kill you in one of my stories, you know? And that was, you know, pretty much my, my take on that is um, a very healthy um, response to other people's problems and not making their problems mine. I had this thing when I first started, <clears throat> excuse me, writing. And I, I, it was, I think, such a healthy response because when I started submitting in 1990, um, you know, you sent your novels and short stories out through the mail still, not mm-hmm. email. And when I would get those, you know, those printed form letters, what I decided to do to help me deal with rejection was I put them in the litter tray beneath the cat litter when I changed the litter tray. And that to me was the healthiest way to deal with rejection. Rejection schmection, you know, I've never had a problem with it since. And that's how I feel about anybody who does not want to know, um, you know, gay people, lesbians, bi, trans, Q, whatever. Yeah. If you don't want to know somebody just because of that, then that's your problem, not theirs. Exactly. And it's not. It's not my problem. And and how silly of you, because I think you know that we're pretty damn good friends. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. one of the things that? And I always hate that question. But <laughs> like, what, what's something you you know for sure now that you've been writing and you you're comfortable in your pasty white skin and everything that you are that you know for sure just makes you authentically who you are as a person um every morning i wake up and this gigantic cat who's on the floor beside me (laughs) greets me with a chirp and says get your ass downstairs and start writing but not until you feed me 
my husband and I, my husband was within months of passing away when we received a phone call that she was heading towards shelter um, to probably be euthanized. And I intercepted her. I said to Bruce, I'm like, you know, I, we're going to adopt another cat. He's like, absolutely. Don't let her go, you know. And so she showed up here. She was hacked off. She we could not touch her for five months. She was so pissed off at, at the world. Um, and then she came out of her shell. She allowed me to pick her up and hold her. She would go over to him, you know, in his, um, his sick room. And she would jump up on the sofa with him. And when he passed away, she jumped on his, on his corpse and would not leave him. Wow. And I had to take her away so the undertakers could remove, um, you know, my husband's body from the house. Hmm. She was so heartbroken and she was so loyal. And I wow. think, you know, if, if there's anything I've learned, it's that damn it, cats are pretty damn cool and we could all yeah. learn from them. <clears throat> and I don't care about heaven. I don't care about Nirvana. I want to go to cat heaven mm-hmm. and I want cat heaven to be like moon based alpha from the TV show space 1999. And that's where I want to reunite with my husband and all the cats we've lost over the years. Wow. Uh, you know, just be kind and gentle and, and you'll have rewards. When he passed away, you know, she ended up saving my life in return. You know, I, I saved hers. We saved hers. She saved mine. Right. She was here for me every morning. You know, it's interesting that you brought that up because so my husband had two cats when I met him <clears throat> they were brother and sister. Um, one was long haired, black fur ball. The girl cat was just, Lily was just, she was just all fur Herman. So <laughs> Herman and Lily, the Munsters, nice. uh, um, he was gray, short haired, and you would have thought he was a dog. I mean, he, he followed us like everywhere. He slept with us every night. He loved to chase. We wad up like a piece of paper into a ball and toss it. And he'd, he'd go fetch and bring it back. He like, he'd follow us to the door when we leave and he'd be sitting there when we came back. She was like the princess, like, yeah, you bitches, you know, except when it got to winter time and we, you know, we lived in Southern California, so it never got super, super cold, but I mean, he got into the forties, low fifties, sure. every once in a while in the thirties. And so as soon as that fall weather, quote unquote, fall weather started hitting, oh, she was on the bed right there with us, but it was on her terms, her way. Of course. So we had never planned to really get married. It was like, hey, we've been together, you know, when all this started unfolding and we could get married as gay couples, God forbid, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we're like, yeah, we've been together all this time, you know, why would we do it? You know, and then we talked about it a few times. Finally, we said, okay, we're going to do it. And not like begrudgingly, it's like, okay, let's just do this. Right. But we kept it really simple. Justice is the peace, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Lily passed away probably. So we got married on new year's Eve. So Lily passed away either the week before Thanksgiving or the week, right. Oh. I can't remember exactly when. Yeah. <clears throat> so then Herman, it was just him and he was fine. I mean, you know, it was hard because, you know, we lost her. He seemed fine. We're like, how's he going to do with all this? And then suddenly he kind of started acting a little bit sick too, but he waited until after we got married and literally within a, I think it was a little like a week after wasn't too far into the new year. And my husband always says he waited because he knew his daddy 
which, you know, I, they, yeah. they were his babies. I mean, I came in, I was the stepdaddy, yeah. right? <clears throat> but he goes, I really believe that Herman knew, okay, they're married. Now I can go, you know? Oh, and it's so just, sweet. And it's they so are sweet. horrible when you lose them. Yeah. 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 But it's also that piece of, you see where somebody really, or where somebody or a pet really fits into your world to help you learn sure. things. And I'll never forget the, you know, we've, my husband has said that now several times since it all happened, but I remember the first time he, he, he told that story. And of course I just like choked up. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can really do this. Mm. Right. But it got me thinking about how often as we do our journey to the closet door and beyond, how often we're waiting for that one thing to happen where it's like, okay, it's good now. It's good. We can do this now. And anybody who's listening, I would want you to not only like, first of all, like just go, go get some of Gregory's books, his new book for sure. Get it. But also realize your story is waiting for you to write it. Don't let anybody else tell you, this is how you're going to write your gay story. You're living it right now. I'm going to tell you what it means to be your lesbian story, your trans story, your bi story, your queer story, your gender non-conforming story. You just go right and live it your way. Because when you do that, that's when the power steps in. And that's when you, in my, from my perspective, that's when you really are authoring your own life in so many ways. So what's next for you really quickly, Gregory, before we wrap up here? Plus, I've just, I've loved learning all this stuff about you and I love the oh, cat connection you. we have and yeah. all that sort well, of stuff. Rick, you're an absolute delight. And I am, I'm just so grateful to you and your, your listeners and um, can't thank you enough for making the time, um, you know, to talk. So what's next? Well, on the 19th of September, and I know this is, is going to be broadcast after the fact. But we're having a big book launch for X marks the spot. It's being catered. It's going to be full of really cool people. And, um, you know, so that I'm, I'm really excited about nice. we're having a big writers group open house and, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm working on a million and one, you know, new projects, old right. projects, you know, I finish everything and, um, I'm just really looking forward to, you know, the next big adventure. I I'm always, just so excited about putting that pen to the page and, and going somewhere, you know, exciting and, and, and different and, you know, and living the stories as I write them. And if somebody wants to get your book or learn more about you, where's the best places for them to reach out? I'm sure go, typical yeah, Amazon, sure. All those Amazon, places. brick and mortar, you know, I mean, it, it's, it was released on the 7th of September. You know, you can get it anywhere now. Cool. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, and, and I hope they enjoy it. I hope it, I hope it inspires and, mm. and moves them. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast and sharing thank your you, story, Rick. part of your life and, um, just all the best with all of this and, you know, and you too, and get to the end. Don't worry about going back and editing. Oh, no, no, I, I will. I, 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 I'm determined. I'm going on vacation here in a, in a couple of weeks. I'm like, okay, we're going to carve some time out in that beautiful little beach house. And just, nice. I'm going to tell the husband, get out. It's, it's time. <laughs> it's time. So, uh, but anyway, Bundabha. thanks. Yeah. Bundabha. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us 
to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Unclogged. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.